with me tonight at verse 35. It says, In the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Somebody say it again. Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there, But there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves began to beat into the ship, and it was now full. Somebody say it was full. But Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. That ought to be a revelation. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and did what? He rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, what? Peace be still. And what happened? The wind ceased. Imagine that. So let me say it again. Jesus spoke, he rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why were you so fearful? And how is it that you have, what? No faith. Mm. And they feared exceedingly. And said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, tonight I'm going to teach you what to do in the midst of crisis. Come on, somebody. Because it's, listen, we can talk the talk all we want to. We can shout and dance and hoop and holler and whatever we want to do. But what's going to come to the test, what's, when it comes push to shove, can you handle trouble? Oh, it's quiet. Can you handle trouble? Oh, praise the Lord. That's, that's fine, but can you handle trouble? Because trouble's going to come. Come on. The storms are going to arise when you don't expect them to. Come on now. Nowhere in this passage did they expect the storm to arise. But it did anyways. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, the enemy doesn't need your permission to send you something. But he needs your permission to stay there. Oh, man. Now, pull up the Greek word right now. Now, when the, when the disciples said, Master, do you not care that we are drowning, that we are perishing, that this is the last hurrah? Do you not care? And that word right there, and I need you to get this. What kind of care are they talking about? That Greek word is malo. And it means, listen to this, to care or to be concerned. Especially play, uh, paying attention, giving thought to, taking an interest with the what? The implications of some apprehensions. You say, what does that mean? When they were saying, God, do you not care that we perish? I need you to see this. They were literally saying, do you not care in such a way that you, you cause yourself to be afraid and to worry by the things that have rose up in your life. Mm. So when people come to you, you might be going through something right now, okay? You might be going through a tough time or a hard time. When people come to you, what do they say if you're walking the way God wants you to walk? Here's what they say. Do you not care what you're going through? Do you not realize the the... The strength or the, 
In other words, what's the word I'm looking for? Do you not realize the seriousness of your situation? Come on. This is what people say. Do you not realize? Listen, if I was you, I would be worrying myself to death. Come on. If I was you, I would be in, I would be in a mess. I'd be chewing my fingernails off. I'd be going crazy if I was you right now. So why is it that you're not? You see, the world wants to try to get you to worry about what kind of worries? Implications of apprehensions. Pull up that definition of apprehensions. It means to what? To have anxiety or fear that something bad or unpleasant will happen. Now you're starting to see this. So in other words, the disciples go to Jesus and say, Jesus, why aren't you expecting bad things to happen? That's crazy, ain't it? Hey, are you not expecting unpleasant things? You know, when I got up this morning, I, I, that wasn't on the forecast. Come on, somebody. But you've got so many people, watch this. You've got so many people that live this way. Mm. We've got so many people that live by what kind of place? A place of caring for what? Anxiety and fear that something bad is going to happen. I want to know something here tonight. And those that's watching through Facebook or TV, however you're watching this, are you fearing, are you living in such a way where you fear or expect bad things to happen to you? Or when situations arise, do you expect it to go the worst way it possibly can? Oh, I think some of us are in hot water tonight. Mm. That's what we do, don't we? When storms arise, we expect the worst. Oh, this is going to be a bad one. Oh, look how dark the clouds are. Oh, look at that lightning going across the sky. You see, we, this is what we do. We care for the wrong things. It wasn't the fact that Jesus wasn't caring. It was the fact that they wanted him to care for the wrong things. And you'll see that the enemy, listen, the enemy will come to you and say, you need to worry about this and you need to worry about that. Come on. You need, hey, Cheryl, you have to worry about this. No, I don't. Oh, no, no, no. You have to. Because that's normal, right? You have to worry about these things. You have to worry about how you're going to pay the bill. You have to worry about whether some disease is going to come and kill you. You have to worry about all these pestilence and, and all these different outbreaks that are happening across the world. You have to worry about this hurricane that's coming forth. Come on, somebody. You see, it's in, in a way, it's shoved down your throat. You have to do this. Right? You have to care, right? And see, many people, when they say, don't you care, they really want you to expect the worst for their, or for their, for their life. Now, isn't that crazy? <laughs> so the next time somebody comes to you and says, hey, brother, sister, don't you care what I'm going through? Don't you care what I'm doing? You've not even checked on me. Come on. That's what you'll get. You've not even checked on me. What they really want is for somebody to tell them how bad it is. 
See, in reality, what they really wanted was for Jesus to wake up and go, Ah, we're getting ready to drown. That's what they wanted. Come on. That's what they wanted. They wanted Jesus to sympathize with what? That something that bad or unpleasant was going to happen. They wanted Jesus to say, disciples, I, did, I wasn't expecting this. I don't know what's going to happen. We need to start screaming. You see, and, and, and that's what the, watch this, that's what the enemy's banking on you to do. Go to the, go to the notes. Mm. With every opportunity to believe God comes from the enemy, the, the opportunity to doubt him. Let me say it one more time. With every opportunity to believe God, and you'll have plenty of opportunities to do so, the enemy will offer you an opportunity to doubt him. Notice what they said. Now listen, all this might have sounded normal, right? The disciples acting crazy, fearing for their life. Many of us could say, hey, that's normal, right? But we need to go back to the first part of the passage. Because there's just one problem with that normal thing that they were doing. Here's the, here was what was the problem. Jesus had given them a command to go to the other side. Oh, come on, somebody. Jesus had given them a command to go to the other side. So it doesn't, listen, so it doesn't matter what came through. It didn't matter what storm arose. The fact was that Jesus said, we are going to the other side. Are you picturing this now? You see, what I need you to see in here tonight, that just because storms have risen up, just because that resistance has begun to hit you in your life, does not change what God said. I need some praise on that right now. Does not change what the Lord said to you. Doesn't change. So you see here, they had an opportunity to believe what Jesus said. Oh, the storm's blowing, the boat's rocking, the, the boat's full of water, and the master is asleep in the back. But I'm not worried about this because he already said we're going to the other side. And in case you've been around him, whatever he says happens. But they didn't do that, did they? Welcome to Christianity. Where 99.9% of God's children don't believe what he says. Come on. God says, I'm going to do this. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Something happens. Oh, God, what are you doing? That's what we do. Instead of, but see, they had an opportunity to believe God. But guess what happened? The enemy says, okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity to doubt him. Here comes a storm. It don't look good. It don't sound good. Hey, it don't even feel good. But you see in parentheses, what did I say right there? You might have the opportunity to doubt God, and you will. Every day you're faced with the opportunity to doubt what God told you. Come on, somebody. Every day you are faced with the opportunity to doubt what God said in His Word. But I've been sent tonight to tell you, don't take those opportunities. Can you say amen in here tonight? Don't take them. The storm might be blowing. 
Come on. Situations might be arising in your life, but don't take the opportunity and take the enemy's bait that he's trying to feed you. Somebody say praise God on that. So with every opportunity to believe God, there's also opportunity to doubt Him, but don't take it. Go to verse 39 and 40 real quick. Can you go to verse 39? All right, he said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Go to the next one. And they said unto him, and he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have what? No faith. And they were exceedingly, and they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That Greek word right there for rebuke literally means this right here to prevent something bad from happening. I don't have this up here, but if you want to write that down, I'm going to repeat it for you. When Jesus rebuked, it literally means to prevent something bad from happening. Ooh, don't that go totally against what the church says? Well, praise God, we're going to have to ride out the storm. You know, they got a song about that too, you know? How many remembers that song? Ride out your storm. There's just one problem with that. God never told me to ride out my storm. God never told me to ride it out. Who's my example? Come on. It's all right. Jesus is my example, right? So my example of Jesus is when a storm came in his life, he didn't ride it out. What did he do? He rebuked it. In other words, listen, that storm was sent to bring something bad, but by his rebuke, he stopped something bad from happening. Are you listening to me? I'm not telling you that you can stop every storm from coming because you can't. What I'm telling you in here tonight is that you can do something about it once it comes forth. You don't have to ride it out. You don't have to be subject to the wind and to the waves, but you can speak to it. My God, turn to your neighbor and say, speak to that thing. It's about time that some of you start speaking over your situation and start speaking over the things that's occurring in your life because the enemy wants to tell you you don't have power to change it. But I've been sitting here tonight to tell you that the devil is a liar. You have power over the situation. You have power over the storms. You have power over everything that comes into your life. So when the enemy sends something bad, I could turn it around for good? Oh, Lord. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you tonight that when the enemy sends things for your bad and for your destruction, and he will, that you can turn it for your good. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you don't do what the disciples did. The Bible said, and Jesus made it clear, that fear gripped them, come on, and they had no faith. So you know what that tells me? Write this down. They had no foundation. Mm. Go to the first note there, Dave, if you would. 
They did not keep the word or meditate on it. Jesus had given them a word. Brothers, you are going to the other side. But when the storm came, they took that word and totally forgot about it. Y'all don't ever do that, do you? Mm. I want you to really think right now. Because we're here to learn tonight. I'm not here just to preach you happy and then you say, well, what did the pastor preach? I have no idea, but it was good. I want you to really think tonight. How many times in our life does God tell us something and then something occurs or the enemy sends something and we totally forget about what God said? You see, they had totally forgot. It was no longer in their mind about going to the next place to minister. Nowhere, in, not even close in their mind. All they could think about, all that was gripping them is the current situation. You know, you see, it, I want to ask you a question in here tonight. I want to ask you a question. Is it just coincidence that this storm happened to arise after Jesus said, we're going to the other side, or was it by purpose? Because you see, in the Hebrew, there is no word for coincidence. To the Jewish people, coincidence doesn't exist. Mm -mm -mm. Somebody say, live on purpose. So So you agree with me tonight that there was a purpose behind this storm. What was the purpose? To distract them off of what God had told them. Some of you in here tonight, you're saying, oh, I'm just going through it tonight. I'm battling. You know, I'm struggling. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Okay. Well, are you meditating on what God told you? Well, you know, I I just got so many things hitting me right now. I've got so many things. I understand that. I understand that. But do you think it's just coincidence that this began to happen? Let's just say like this. God says, I'm getting ready to bless you. You think it's a coincidence that the enemy starts attacking your finance? Or is it just by purpose? Here's a good one. God says, I'm going to use you. And I'm going to give you a healing ministry. Is it coincidence that. Sickness tries to start attacking your body time and time again, or is it just by purpose? You see, Paul said something like this. He said, we are not naive to the enemy's tactics. But you know, the problem is a lot of the church is. Somebody talk to me. That's the problem. Is you see, we go to pieces. God tells us something, we shout on it, and then something happens and we go to pieces as if God has changed his mind. Let me tell you how God is. I'm going to tell you his personality. Once he promises you something, he don't take it back. Now, if, if you want to walk away from it, that's your choice. Are you hearing me tonight? If you want to walk away from it, that's your choice. But when God says, I'm going to use you in such and such way, he has already purposed it out before the foundations of the world. Let me blow your mind tonight. Before you ever were, God already figured your life out. So is it coincidence? Is it just something that happens? Or is it by purpose? 
That's what you have to ask yourself tonight. Because, listen, if you think it's by coincidence, then you need to ride out your storm. But if you think that it's for a purpose, that something is, that there's a reason for this coming forth in your life, that things don't just happen, then you can understand it here tonight and you can make up your mind that you can do something about it. Are you listening to me? You see, when I think that something is just coincidence, I can't do anything about it. But when I know that something is by purpose, then it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty and figure out why it's here in my life and what do I, what can I do about it. Come on. Why is the enemy attacking my finances? Why is the enemy attacking me in this area of my mind? There's got to be a reason. You see, a lot of people, now, I'm going to try to explain this. A lot of people think that the enemy attacks your weaknesses. I don't agree with that. Here's what I think. I think the enemy convinces you you're weak in that area. Because that's where your strength is. Y'all can praise him here in a little bit. That's okay if you want to. But I'm going to praise him right now. Because you see, the enemy wants to tell me I'm weak and I'm nothing and all that. That's good. He can keep telling me that. But I'm understand- I've learned his tactics. Are you listening to me tonight? I've learned how he does things. And I learned that he doesn't attack my weaknesses. He convinces me that I'm weak right here. You see, it was his objective to convince the disciples that they couldn't do anything about it. Because if they ever got to that place where they could, he couldn't stop them. I- <laughs> my God. Hallelujah. Are y'all getting this tonight? You see, that's what he does. So you say, I'm struggling this there, and I'm, I'm, I'm just never measuring up. Is it by purpose or coincidence? Because it's if it's by purpose, then there's a reason why the enemy's attacking you in such a way. Whew. I'm trying to tell you that you're somebody. My God. Hallelujah. Go to the notes. I know I got a little off track, but go to the notes. Go to the next one. When your foundation is shaken, then your whole life will be shaken. Write that now. It's very clear in this passage. When your foundation is shaken, what is my foundation? What I believe. Because the Bible is clear, you will be judged by what you believe, good or bad. So it's not so much what I believe for you, it's what you believe for your own life. So it was very clear that their foundation had crumbled. Because they had no sight of tomorrow. Life was over. And they wanted Jesus to get on that broken foundation also. Come on over here and worry with us. Come on. Come on over here and have anxiety and fear with us. And Jesus said, the devil is a liar. Come on. People will try to pull you into that mess. I'm telling you right now, people will try to pull you into their situation and circumstance and say, I want you to worry with me. I want you to doubt with me. Listen, I'll pray with you. I'll believe with you. And I'll speak the word over your life. But if you're looking for somebody who's just going to let Waller down there with you, I'm not the guy. Come on, somebody. So their foundation crumbled. It was crumbled. 
They were to pieces. Because their foundation was not in the Word. Go to the next one. Write this down. Our foundation must. Somebody say must. Must be on the Word. Has to be. Your foundation cannot be on what brother or sister so-and-so said. Come on, somebody. I've heard so many people talk. When it comes to healing, deliverance, whatever, they want to quote what so-and-so said. I'm not interested in what so-and-so said. I'm interested in what God said about it. Because that's my foundation. Woo! That's my foundation. So in other words, I don't care what brother or sister so-and-so said. If God said I can have it, I'm going to stand on it. Are you listening to me? I said if God said you can have it, then it's time you start standing on it. I don't care what your last name is, what side of the tracks you were born on. It don't make no difference. When God tells you something, you can take it to the bank. So I need to stand on what God said. What were they standing on? They were standing on what life had taught them. Let me let you in on something. These men right here were expert fishermen. They had seen storms before. I need you to picture this now. They had seen storms before. And so life had taught them, when a storm comes, you better hang on. Oh, just hang on, hang on. You know, that's what we want to do. But here Jesus comes along and says to them, he says, why were you afraid and why did you have no faith? You know what he was saying? He was saying, brothers, why did you not do the very thing I just done? (laughs) You know what God is saying tonight? What are you going through? I want you to get it through your head right now. What are you going through? Let me tell you what God is saying. Why aren't you doing something about it? Oh, I'm just waiting on Jesus to move. No, 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 no. Why aren't you doing something about it? Because the Bible said he gave you power. He gave you authority. Come on. An attorney over his name. Y'all ain't hearing me. He gave you the right of attorney over his name to use it. (laughs) It would be, watch this, it would be no different than if he used his own name. Y'all ain't hearing me. I don't care what life has taught you. You see, that's why you get born again. Because when you get born again, you no longer go by what life has taught you. You start going by what Jesus teaches you. Are you listening to me? That's what you start going by. And then you start getting wiser. When other people just take whatever comes at them, you say, wait a minute. I don't have to do that. And the enemy says, we lost another one. Oh, God. Because the enemy's just hoping you just, you just bite into it. Oh, brother, I just, I ain't nothing I can do about it. Just pray for me, okay? Pray for me. But he said, why didn't you do this? I'll tell you why. Because you let fear grip you. Come on. You let fear grip you. So fear tolerated is faith contaminated. 
Let me say it one more time. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. You hear people say that they can coexist. They don't coexist. They don't coexist. If there's fear in your life, then there's an absence of faith. Are you hearing me? And this is where most people say, well, well, don't you know how it's all going to turn out? No! Isn't that awesome? Because I know the one that does. How's God going to bring forth what he promised in your life? Don't have a clue. Hey, come on. Don't have a clue. That's why it's called faith. If you, let me let you in on something. If you can see it, it ain't faith. If you can see it tonight, it's not faith. They were going by what they seen. The waves, the wind, the lightning, the thunder crash. That's what they were going by. Instead of going by what Jesus said. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So our foundation must be what? The Word. The Word. The Word. Go to Luke 6 right now. He said, why do you call me Lord? And do not the things which I say. Whosoever come up to me and hear my sayings and do what? Do them. I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man that builds his house and dig it deep and lay the what? Foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the streams beat harsh against it, the house, it could not what? on now, hold on. I didn't learn that in Sunday school. I learned that when storms come, you barely make it out. Right? Come on. That's what you've heard, isn't it? Brother, stand up and get a testimony. I just thank God that I'm barely here. Come on. You've seen it all your life in church. But, but this says right here, Now, I told you the Word is your foundation. The Word says that when I place my foundation on the right thing, who's the rock? The Bible says that Christ was the rock. So when I place my foundation on Christ and His teaching and His principles, which line up with Genesis all the way through Revelation, When I place my foundation on that, when the storm comes, he didn't say the storms wouldn't come. He said when the storms do come, they won't shake you. Is that what he said? So you read it just like I read it. He said he wouldn't shake me. Let's go on. For it was founded upon a rock, but he that heareth my sayings and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against with the streams did beat harshly against it and immediately what happened? It fell. And the ruin of that house was what? Great. So here's the key. How do I get that? Because that's what I want, do you? How do I get that? Here's the key. Write this down. I cannot just hear God's word I have to keep it. 
I have to keep it. There's a reason why he told Joshua, read it for yourself. He told Joshua, he said, to meditate on my word. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it night and day. There's a reason why God says this. Why is that? Because he realizes that there will come times in your life where things will not look certain. Come on, somebody. There will be times in your life where it will not look like what God said is going to come to pass. But if you're meditating, somebody say but. Now, usually I don't like to put a but in there. But, but, he said, if you meditate on his word then you don't have to worry about it. Why? Because as long as you remember what God said and you're keeping it and you're believing it and you're standing on it, when the storm comes, it's not going to move you. Are you listening to me? That's why when people come to you and say, you should be worrying, you should be doubting, uh-uh, I'm not worrying about this because God's already promised me. I'm Matter of fact, I'm not moved whatsoever by this. Come on, somebody. Why? Because my foundation is not on that, but my foundation is on the Word of God. I wish I had some witnesses in here tonight. Your foundation is not on the struggles that come forth in your life. They will come and go. Your foundation is on what God told you. Woo! That's some good preaching. When people come to me and say, I'm doing this, and I say, what's the Word say? And they get offended by it. As if I told him something bad. What did God say? I don't know what God did. Well, listen, do you want me just to agree with you? Do you want me to pull you out of this? Come on, somebody. Because it's going to take the Word of God to pull you out of this. Are you listening to me? You say, I learned a long time ago, you got to get past your opinions and past your I feels and I feel this and I feel that. you got to get past all that and you've got to stay clear-minded on the Word of God that I will not be governed by what I feel. I will not be governed by what the situation is telling me to react to. I'm not going to be governed by that, but I'm going to be governed by the Word of God. Woo! Go to the notes on this, Brother Dave. When my foundation is right, I'll turn what was sin as bad into a testimony. <laughs> I need an organ, Steve. I need an organ on that. Did you hear what I just said? When my foundation is where it's supposed to be, I'll take whatever was sent as bad for me. And let me assure you, whatever the enemy sends to you is to destroy you. He's not to play patty cake with you. He's out to wipe you out. But if my foundation is right, then I can take. That's why Romans said, we know that all things work to the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his I need some help in here. That are called according to his purpose. So that means when the storm comes, I'm going to turn it into a testimony. Let me tell you what God did. Hey, hey, let me tell you what God did. The enemy sent this, but I turned it around on him. Hey, 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 come on, somebody. I turned it around on him. You know, we need some more men and women of God to start turning around what the enemy sends to them. Come on, we need more testimonies like that. 
The enemy tried to put sickness on my body. I went out and healed five or six people in the name of Jesus. That's what kind of testimonies we need. The enemy tried to put pressure on my finances, and I sought out a church, and I sowed into that church in faith, and in such and such hour, I received this. That's what kind of testimonies we need. When your foundation is right, you can turn it around. You can turn it around. How many's ever played football? Now, you know what's the fundamental? You got to get your foundation right. You got to get your stance right. Because watch this, I don't care how fast somebody's coming at you. If your foundation is right, you can pivot that. Oh, somebody needs to hear me. You can pivot that, and you can use their momentum against them. Are y'all hearing me? I'm telling you, you can use the momentum of the enemy against him. You say, what kind of people you want in your church? I want the kind of people that the enemy says, I wish I would have never fooled with them. Hey, 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 come on. I wish I'd have never bothered them. Because I wouldn't be in the mess that I'm in right now. Somebody shout hallelujah. My goodness, my goodness. Let me say it one more time. When my foundation is right, I'll turn what is bad, sent to me as bad, into a testimony. Go to 3 John real quick. 3 John 1. It says, Beloved, I wish above what? How many things? Okay. That thou may what? Be in what? And my soul to what? Ooh. When people come to me and say, I just want to know the Lord's will. There you go. Ta-da. God's will above all things. There's many things He wills for your life. But above all things, He wants you to prosper. Be in health and your soul to prosper. Now, I've researched and I've studied every single one of these. It means what it says. Many people say, oh, he just wants you to have a good trip. No, he don't want you just to have a good trip. He wants you to be in health. He wants you to prosper. Come on, spiritually and financially. He wants you to prosper in your soul. Notice what that said right there. He didn't say spirit, he said soul. Hmm. Write this down. Take this note right here. Go to the first note, Dave. Watch this. We can exchange God's will for our lives with the what? Cares of life. When we are shaken by what is occurring in our lives. That's a whole lot of information. You better write that down. We can exchange the will of God for our lives with the cares of life when we are what? Shaken by what's occurring in our life. You ever heard that that saying, buckling under pressure? (laughs) That's what this is talking about. You need to hear this now. Buckling under pressure. You see, it's real easy to say, I believe this and I believe that when there's no pressure. But the enemy, watch this, the enemy will send pressure your way 
to test and see if you're really going to stand on it. Smith Wigglesworth. How many's ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? A mighty man of God. One day, him and his wife decided to throw every ounce of medicine out of his house. Every ounce. Not even so much as a Tylenol. All of it. Because they wanted to totally trust in God. And he said, oh, but the pressure came. What kind of pressure? Oh, I've got pain here. Oh, I'm feeling sick here. You see, the enemy was testing to see whether they were going to stand on it or not. How did he test them? Cares of life. Somebody say it with me. Cares of life. I guarantee you, whatever you're believing God for, the enemy is testing you in that area with cares of life. Think about it. He's testing you in that area. Why? Oh, yeah, because he hears you in church. Oh, okay, you believe this and that? Well, I'm going to put you to the test and see if you're really going to stand on it. You see, I found out that so many people don't let their faith mature. You say, what do you mean? They take a stand for God. The enemy puts pressure and they give in. But brothers and sisters, faith only matures under pressure. You want great faith? You got to have great pressure. I don't hear no shouting on that one. I said if you want great faith, you're going to, take, you're going to have to go through a lot of pressure. You see this faith that I have today? I had to go through a lot of pressure, brothers and sisters. Come on, somebody. I had to go through some things to get that. Why? Because the enemy was testing me. Is he going to stand on this or is he going to give in? You see, we can know that something is God's will. Watch this. We can know it's God's will. And the enemy sends the pressures of the cares of life and we exchange it. Yeah, you know, I you know I know God said this, but you exchange it. You see what I'm talking about now? We exchange it. Oh, well, let's go back to the disciples. I didn't forget about them. Oh, you know, you know, Jesus said we're going to the other side, but it ain't looking good. It's looking rough. We're fishermen. We know what it's like to be out on the sea. It's bad. See, they exchanged God's will for the cares of life. Why? Because of what was occurring in your life. What's occurring in your life right now? Think for me. What's taking place? What you have to ask yourself now is, is it turning you away from the will of God into the cares of life? Because on one passage of the scattered seed, the Bible said that one started out really good. Started out good. And even produced, and watch what happened. It said the cares of life came in and choked the word. So again, that's why it's so important to have the Word of God as your foundation. Why? Because the Word of God lets you know the will of God. Let me show you something here tonight. And I might teach this again. 
You see this right here? This is the will and testament of God. This is a direct command of His will for your life. It would be no different that if one of you passed away and you had a will and you left everything to your children, it's a will and testament. You know the one who left this here, you know he died for you, right? Ooh, he died for you. Why? So this will and testament could come into effect because it never comes into effect until that person, what? Dies. (laughs) So this is the will of God. So when the enemy comes and he tries to pressure me to question God's will, if I have my foundation on the word, I'm not going to question it. Come on, somebody. When the enemy comes and says, well, you know, God might be teaching you something. What, to be sick as a dog? Come on. What, to be so broke you can't be a blessing to other people? What's he teaching you? Come on. You see, the enemy will try to exchange the will of God for the cares of life. Oh, well, you know, I know you're trying to believe God on this, but you know you've got this and this, this to take care of. Mm, It's hitting home now, isn't it? Go to the next note. You better get this one tonight. Read this with me. If you panic in a crisis then it means your soul is impoverished. Does anybody want to take the mic on this one and preach this? I think Brother Harold does. When I panic in crisis, it's a clear indication that my soul is impoverished. So I asked you earlier, why is it that he mentioned the soul and not the spirit? Because the spirit, the real you, is always willing to do the will of God. And your soul, wherein lies your mind, will, and emotions, that's the part of you that's in the process of being saved. So that means I've got to constantly renew my mind. Because my mind is not all the way saved. Are you listening to me? So I have to constantly make sure my emotions is governed by the Holy Ghost and not by my flesh because my emotions are in the process of being saved. Are you hearing me? That means, that means, come on, that means that my will, I have to make sure that I'm not going by the will of my flesh but by the will of my Father because the will part of me is in the process of, Of being saved because you know sometimes you want to do what God wants and sometimes you don't. So your spirit man is saved. Your soul is in the process of being saved. And your flesh will not be saved until it's changed in the likeness of Christ. So he said it's my will for you that you be prosperous in your intellect, in your emotions. Come on, in your will, it's my will for you to prosper in that. So where does the enemy want to work at? The soul. 
He wants to work in your flesh to draw your soul into the command of your flesh. You say, what are you saying? It's real simple. If my flesh rules my life, then I'm going to think on the flesh. My emotions are going to be tied to my flesh. And watch this. I'm going to want what my flesh wants. So let's look at the disciples. What was the issue? The issue was they were panicking, right? Why were they panicking? Because their soul was impoverished. They were still thinking like they used to think. Come on. They were still reacting how they used to react. Somebody gripping up Jesus. Peter said, I'll just grab a sword and cut their ear off. It's in your Bible. And they were still connected to their will. He said, you must be a servant at all. Okay, that's good. But who gets right hand and left hand at your throne? They were still impoverished in their soul. So I'm telling you tonight, listen to me. Are you reacting like the enemy wants you to react? Are you reacting like everybody else? If everybody else would worry in your situation, are you doing the same thing? If you are, then your soul was impoverished. <clears throat> this, this is why, and I touched on this Sunday. This is why you must get the Word of God every single day. Because you have to constantly renew your mind. You have to constantly renew your thinking. When the enemy sends bad thoughts in you, you say, that's not my thoughts. Come on. That's not my thoughts. My thoughts are what is, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be praise, if there be, pure, if be virtue, I will think on these things. That's in Philippians. That's what I'm going to think on. See, you have to constantly renew your mind. When the enemy comes and says, you need to doubt what God said because it ain't looking like, oh, wait, 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 no, I ain't doing that. See, he tries to snare you in and pull you into this. I refuse to. Come on. Like I said, you will have plenty of opportunities to doubt God every single day. Just don't take them. <laughs> Come on. Just don't take them. My God. I had a headache today, didn't I? What I do? I start rebuking. I don't have a headache now. You say, well, that's just a headache. It's important to God. He don't want me to have a headache either. Come on. Some of y'all, the devil's been a headache to you. Get your soul prospering. How do I do that? I feed my spirit man. I'm telling you the key tonight. How do I react like Jesus instead of reacting like the disciples? I feed my spirit man. Because the more I feed my spirit man, the more my soul is going to prosper. Why? Because to be able to feed my spirit man, I got to do what? I got to get in the Word. I got to pray, I got to worship, I got to praise God. And the whole time, you know what that's doing? You're reprogramming your thinking. 
You see, before you got saved, you took whatever life brought you and you just said, well, there's nothing I can do about it. But once you had a, a greater revelation, you can't live that way anymore. Are you listening to me? You see, there's many times people try to pull me into their, into their thinking, and I can't do that because I've been introduced to a greater way of thinking. Are you listening to me? The Bible, listen, God's way of thinking is that I prosper being health even as my soul prospers. So that means if there's anything in my life that comes and tries to be contrary to that, then I be, it's my place to rebuke it and command it, peace, be still. That's my job. Not God's. Let me say it one more time. Let me get a little bit closer to it. It's not God's job. It's your job. Why? Because he put the keys of the kingdom into your hand. What Peter say? We talked on this today. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. Who gave it to him? But such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Arise and walk. I'm going to blow your mind right now. He didn't ask God to do it. Let's make the religious world mad. He didn't say, God, make this person to walk. He said, get up and walk. It's time the body of Christ starts doing what Jesus said we could do. Put your hands together. Give God some praise tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Write this down. I don't have this up here, but write this down. And I'm closing. Any kind of temptation, any kind, is designed to pull you off of the word. Let me say it one more time. Any kind of temptation is designed to pull you off of the Word. I don't care what kind of temptation the enemy has sent to you. Its only design is to pull you off the Word. To pull you off of your foundation. That's what it's meant to do. You see, listen, it's not the temptation that made you fall. Is you allowed the temptation to draw you off your foundation. The enemy sent temptation. Worry. Fear. Have you a panic attack? Come on. And they just went. Come on, church. And it did what it was designed to. Jesus gave them the word. The enemy sent the temptation. And he lured them off of it. You know what they should have been doing? Let me let you in on a secret. You know what they should have been doing? Every wave that came in. They should have been saying, we are going to the other side. Every rock of the boat, we are going to the other side. Every time the lightning flashed, we are going to the other side. Let me tell you what I mean in here tonight. You keep speaking what God said, and you're going to watch it come to pass. 
The enemy sends you something, keep quoting what God said. Oh, my goodness. Every time he's sent a pain, I'll be saying, by his stripes, I'm healed. Another pain, by his stripes, I'm healed. I'm standing on my foundation. Stand to your feet tonight. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.